Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of Insights with Experts. Joining us here today, we are very, very fortunate to have Mr. Henry Langdon. Now, Henry is the founder of Udemon. Now, Udemon is a platform which enables career starters and changes to shape their decisions in life. And I'm here, it's something that we're going to be learning a lot about in this interview as well. Actually, Henry, the first question which we'd like to ask you, um, it's, essentially like an over, it's essentially an overview. I told everyone watching what Udemon is from a very macro kind of view. Could you maybe tell us what made you want to actually start this? What, what made you want to, you know, maybe one day wake up and say, you know what, I want to create Udemon. What did that actually look like, I guess? Yeah, so it's, it, it's um, Udemon's could have arisen over a number of years of kind of feeling frustrated with the lack of advice available for, for probably young people um, to make their own decisions on their own terms about their future. I mean, my background has been in, in education, so I've designed and, and run various educational programs that have taken um, so mainly teenagers from a, from uh, a place of, kind of school to university and career kind of pathways. And whilst I'm very proud of all the work I've done, I've, I've long felt frustrated that um, it would be much better if we were giving people the tools and know-how and vision to make their decisions on their own terms. So, um, you know, our, our family and social network remain the most influential factors in our, our career planning and choices. Yeah, we look at, you know, the, the world of work at the moment, we've got employee disengagement and, and turnover rising amidst a, a fast changing careers landscape. So it's clear that limited access to really dynamic um, and evidence-based um, careers support is harming individuals because they're finding themselves in, in jobs that perhaps they're not well suited to and, and, and also they're lacking the, the kind of thinking tools and, and uh, knowledge and wisdom to kind of really interpret their situation so they can move forward um, in a productive way and then it's also harming industry because you have um, small companies you know will be worse affected by those people going to jobs that they're not really engaging their full capacity and strengths with um, so Udemon really responds to this need by helping career starters and changes um, in light of recent events to take greater ownership of their professional direction and development so they can make an impact where they're most needed and currently we seek to achieve this through our what path program which is a practical and philosophical online career guidance course. Um, it's entirely self-directed and the program equips participants with a meaningful understanding of how they can use their strengths and preferences to seek um, and prepare for career opportunities that they can excel at and that, and that they're likely to find fulfilling. Um, so that's the kind of, I suppose, the, the, the wide angle view on kind of where it sort of sits sort of situates itself. Yeah, this this service that Udemon is actually offering now, would you say this is something that you wish you had potentially when you were, I don't know, maybe like my age and so on. So is this really like something that you thought, oh okay, I wish I had this. Well, I didn't have that chance. So maybe I'm gonna allow students now younger than me to have that chance, is it? Yeah, spot on. I mean it it was it, you know the the, the 
book um, based on my experiences navigating um, the early stages of a kind of 21st century career journey. Um, uh, and what, what do I, what if I was, you know, I've always been an employee in, in education institutions. So, you know, if I was in charge of this institution, what would I want um, the young people, you know, in my kind of care, care and sort of direction to, to, to receive support wise. So yeah, it's completely, you know, I, I found it very tricky to identify, you know, what I wanted to do with my life once I'd left university. Um, and I went down a lot of different kind of tangents. Um, and uh, there are certainly things that I wish I'd known um, that this course very much kind of puts front and center, um, you know, in people's thinking. Um, but even if, you know, it's definitely, it's, it, there's definitely information there that is, is relevant to someone perhaps in, you know, my position in, in their early thirties who, who's thinking about what they want to do with their lives as well, because they might not have the, really the space and the time to kind of think and explore these questions at great depth. Um, and it, you know, by sort of nature, I'm very, you know, I'm, I'm reading every day. Um, I'm up at 5am to, to at least get a, you know, an hour and a half reading in every single day. Um, and I'm thinking about that reading in podcasts and audible, all sorts of sort of sources that I, I, I've sort of synthesized into this, this course based on that kind of personal experience of the challenges of a career journey, that professional experience of advising people on what to do with their futures and the kind of frustration, the inadequacies of that system. And then my kind of personal preference for looking at wise thinkers, um, the cutting edge research uh, in sort of um, social sciences um, and uh, what the kind of um, experiences of, of me and my peers and, and people at my have, have kind of taught us all about what's important. Yeah. And I just want to stay on the topic of Yudamon as well. And, you know, one thing which I often get asked, having named the current projects which I'm working on, names like Desir, names like Orokui, one of the main questions people always ask me is, Sean, what on earth is Orokui? <laughs> and so, um, you know what, I'm going to now not be on the receiving end of that. And I'm, I'm going to now ask you, Henry, what does Yudamon actually mean? And um, you know, is the philosophy of the word something that you try to carry in this course? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny, I, I remember when I saw the, the, the name of the scene, I immediately had the inclination that it's got to be something classical. Um, so that was a real, I felt that was a real good point of kind of um, you know, an indicator of a shared wavelength there. So um, yeah, um, uh, so Yudamon has kind of two, derivations um the, f the first one is so i've made it up it's my own word like it doesn't it doesn't you can't find it in a dictionary uh but it's derived from the ancient greek concept um kind of championed by aristotle um eudaimonia um and eudaimonia you know there's like anything it has you know a number of different kind of interpretations of what it actually means but for me and kind of the interpretation that i most gravitate towards and with the one which we kind of explore kind of explicitly and implicitly in depth through the, the, the what path program um uh, you don't mean it's a fulfillment that comes with engaging your strengths in the service of causes or missions that you care deeply about um so that's what i that's what i kind of 
had front and centre when I was thinking about Udemon was how can I enable young people to really get themselves in the front and centre of work that really draws on their strengths and really engages um, their their passion, you know, for the things they care about. So it's not always about, you know, perhaps when we say meaning, we're thinking about things we care about we're thinking about kind of maybe you know, social impact and it definitely does mean that but it also can mean things like you know you, we want there to be more um, technological innovation in the world or um, I, I want there to be um, more compassion for this particular group whatever it might be that's your mission and your strengths of what what are you what are you going to bring to that to that mission to, to make an impact and to make you know add your value and contribute but there's the other kind of um, derivation which kind of comes from Udaimonia is that um, ancient Greeks had a a kind of a belief that they had kind of similar to I think we have it in sort of I don't know, in the UK and the West where there's the good and sort of um, the devil on your shoulder and the, the angel they had a similar kind of concept but it was um, the, the kind of angel so to speak was was um, called a eudaimon um, and that was their kind of guiding conscience. You know, what was the, you know, everyone from, you know, you know, even even someone as sort of ostensibly sort of rational and um, skeptical as Socrates had one. And you know, for him, it was what is the best decision that I can make um, going forward in reference to the kind of principles of eudaimonia. And, and your eudaimon would would be there telling you. Um, you know what they thought would be the best decision to make so it's got that kind of element as well to it you know sort of trying to create those sort of those sort of really supportive encouraging um, and ambitious voices in our heads to come to come to the fore right yeah and you know it sounds like when you're talking about eudaimonia uh, it's something that I guess students really have to take take into account when they apply for certain careers, jobs, when they have to decide what road they're going to take, I guess. That relates in very nicely to this next question, which I'd like to ask you, which is essentially all about that. It's all about, you know, essentially young people choosing, right, which path should I take, A, B, C. And one of the main, I mean, some of the main factors students often take into account, things like wealth, things like social impact, things like, you know, social, uh, you know, status, how, how will you be viewed? I mean, there are numerous things. I, I could keep naming it. So I wanted to ask you, you know, what what would you say perhaps is that one key thing young people should be taking into account if they choose a specific path? So I think when it, in terms of kind of sources, I suppose sources of career satisfaction, um, you know, wealth, status, uh, whatever, social impact. I mean, that's ultimately going to be very subjective. Um, and so it's not, I would never say to someone that you need to prioritize social impacts or you need to prioritize money or that's, that's completely contingent on that individual's kind of priorities and, and constraints um, and the kind of conditions they find themselves in. Um, so I would say the, what if you, know, you had to distill something down to one piece of advice, I'd probably take a step back from those kind of different factors and actually say, I think above all, the, the most important thing when, when considering which path to take, um, and this is abstract, I mean, this would, we would go into more detail, but it was you and I talking about your priorities and ambitions, but so, you know, on a general principle that I think applies to everyone is avoid speed at all costs. 
So um, I think most problems when it comes to decision-making about your future come from a, from a, a, an emphasis on, on the need to make speedy decisions and to make speedy progress. Um, and I would say in, instead, um, think much more about what's the kind of destination that you're wanting to um, reach in the next, you know, let's say four years. And that destination should be abstract because there'll be a number of different ways of realizing it. And also you, you'll, you've got to kind of have a lot of flexibility for, for events to kind of distort, you know, what you think you want to do where you want to be in five years time so i would say have a a destination type in place something like um in five years time i want to be in a position of uh financial stability and a certain level of um autonomy to ha autonomy with how i choose to spend my time and i want to be using my creative skills um, as much as possible so that's a vague destination which can be realized in a number of different ways and you work back from there um, into more concrete goal setting on how you're going to progress towards that that outcome um, and with that destination in mind you can move forward instead of um, instead of speed which is dangerous because it you, you make bad decisions and you and you rush things and you can end up actually going nowhere quickly you you, you move forward with you know velocity which is different to speed in that it, it measures displacement so you're actually moving from where you are now to somewhere that is going to be categorically different um, to where um, where you might go if you if you rush things and you, and you sped things along. I mean, I think the you know the analogy here is that the turtle and the hare. That's why the turtle uh, or tortoise won the race because he moved forward with consistent, steady progression without losing the sort of destination. Uh, so, you know, to return back to kind of your question, sorry, because I, I can never give a kind of a sort of silver bullet answer because they don't exist. I, I, I think it's very much avoid speed and focus on thinking about where exactly you want to be um, in a number of years time and, and then moving, taking paths which enable you to get closer to that destination. But that destination, this is critical, has to remain abstract because you just don't know what's going to be uh, what's going to be in the world in five years time in terms of challenges and obstacles and you don't know who you are going to be in five years time so that abstraction enables it to be adapted and to be modified as you develop and, and events develop but it's still a concrete ideal because you're saying you want to be somewhere else somewhere further along than you are now which is critical yeah and that's really really interesting because lots of i've actually been asked very very like lately from people saying oh sean where do you see yourself in five years from now where do you see yourself in like 10 years from now and I, honestly what i always talk talk about i use the example of like a software engineer you know like what like 40 years ago something like that i mean for example a uh, software engineer is currently the most demanded job in the world 40 years ago who knew what that was what students were saying oh i want to be a software engineer when i'm older and that change has only exponentially become faster i mean now with ai cryptocurrency all these things which are like emerging now who knows like what on earth is going to be the main job in 10 years from now 
so yeah so i could really really relate on with that point that you were talking about in terms of not being too specific so yeah um i mean with that staying in that topic in terms of like choosing our parts and so on one other massive factor that many students have to take into account is the anxiety the anxiety from you know opinions from influential figures high stakes you know all these things that students have to take into account and this often makes uh you know career choices one of the most difficult parts of a student's life so i wanted to, t- to ask with that you know what advice do you have for students to potentially mitigate how anxious they feel in these specific moments when they're making these choices um great question i think i just want to preface it with the fact that anxiety is not something you can kind of extinguish so it's, it's always going to be there to some extent you i think you can take steps in your thinking and actions that can definitely yeah like you say mitigate and kind of moderate it you know the extremities of it um i i again this is this would always have to be individual sort of specific to some extent um but i would i present a couple of couple of points here one is actually that type of goal setting that we just referenced we talked about um in my experience has has really helped a lot of people with their anxiety because it's it takes the pressure off because if you say you want to be in in five years time i want to be um this particular thing or in this particular place then that really puts you on a very narrow path which is also um very future focused um and so you you can get yourself into a situation when you're constantly worrying about how far you you haven't basically progressed towards that goal or you know how slowly you're progressing towards that goal and that can cause a great deal of worry and anxiety so goal setting which um recognizes the importance of long-term ambitions but also recognizes the fact that uh those long-term goals are going to have to be modified and, and sort of changed as you progress towards them based on the way the way the world's sort of changing. So you take your pressure off basically. So you if you can focus your actions and your decisions on what's immediately in front of you on each moment of impact, then that can take the pressure off, you know, your expectations of where you should be or where you should be going. Um, and i think the 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 other key point here is to um really embrace uncertainty um so really enjoy the upside of uncertainty which is um surprise um and delight at how things turn out in unexpected and unusual ways um so i often use this example when i'm talking to people about uh, there's a great kind of Zen parable. I don't know if the, the, it's called, it's, um, it's about a it's sort of an ancient Chinese farmer. And he, uh, I'll, say, I'll say it as quickly as possible, but it's just a great kind of example. He, he's um, a Chinese farmer with uh, a bunch of horses um, and, well, sorry, one horse that runs off. Um, and that, you know, his horse is a, a key pivot of kind of his kind of livelihood. And so that's a big shame. And his, fellow villagers come up to him and say well god your horse has run away what what a, what a tragedy how how are you going to cope and you know how bad and he goes mm, well maybe um and then the next day the horse returns and it's brought with him 
for more horses. So now suddenly he's got a boon of horses. He's got many more horses than, than he did the day before. And the villagers come up to him, it's great fortune and say, well, how lucky this is, this is going to be um, hugely beneficial for you. And he replies, maybe. Um, and the next day his son um, is trying to kind of break in some of these wild horses that his, his horse has brought back. And one of the horses bucks him off and he breaks his leg. And the villagers come up to him and say, gosh, what misfortune. Um, your son is now going to be holed up for, for months and you're going to have to, 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 to tend to your, um, your crops um, sort of without his help. And how bad? And he goes, well, maybe. Um, and then a week later, um, a group of soldiers comes into the town and uh, demands that all young men um, of a particular age um, uh, enlist to fight in a kind of regional war that's beginning to um, unfold and, and obviously his son can't get drawn into this battle because he's got a broken leg and, and the village go oh what fortune that that, that he's been saved by, by um, this event uh, he's been saved from going to war and, and he goes maybe and it you can see the logic it just it's this idea of suspending judgment um, as events unfold it and not expecting things to turn out the way you think they will do because they very often don't um, and we're terrible at predicting the future and that has its downsides in terms of um, potential shocks and disruptions but if you can maximize the upside of that that things are always going to turn out differently to what you expect and, it, it, and that there's a huge amount of excitement and joy that can come from that um, and that these setbacks um, are, are far off and um, nowhere near as bad as you think they will be and nowhere near as bad, um, they never turn out as badly as you, you think they will do when they happen, it, it takes the pressure off. But I think, you know, to go back to your original question, that the really key thing is to not have these very concrete long-term goals that put a huge amount of pressure on you to achieve them um, and put you at odds with the kind of uh, the vicissitudes of reality and things changing so quickly and rapidly um, and, and embrace kind of present action and embrace opportunities which enable you to draw on your strengths and preferences right now and who knows where those things will take them but if you can focus on that um, that task immediately in front of you, whatever that opportunity is, and, and bring your A game to it and bring your best to it, it's going to lead to exciting opportunities and exciting um, tangents. Um, and without that very concrete goal that you're aiming for, you can have a very flexible and open-minded approach to new opportunities. And I mean, I'm sure you've had examples in your, you know, certainly with your entrepreneurial projects of, of having an idea of where you wanted something to go and then it not really panning out that way and actually that being a better thing because that created new opportunities that you couldn't even see were there. I think that, you know, another analogy here is that if you walk into a room and there's a door um, at the other end um, to your right, you're not going to be able to see through that door until you walk straight up to it and then you can turn right and see through it. Um, I think there are so many opportunities that are like that, that are at the end of the room you can't see them there, but when you get there, they're going to give you a totally different perspective um, on what's what's in front of you, which you can have anticipated.
Yeah, yeah, of course. And um, I, w- I, w- I would even argue that, you know, these unexpected moments that we come across, very often it makes us stronger as well. Very often we can actually make the most, most out of it. I was reading Jeff Bezos. So uh, at, at every Amazon financial report, what he does is he writes a one-page letter in the start of it. He's been doing it since like 1997, since they started. And he essentially reflects on the entire year. And in one of the most recent ones, what he put was a quote. Um, and he was talking about COVID-19. And essentially, when, um, you know, he talks about the fact that when, when, when we face hardships, we have a choice to either let that hardship overcome us or we can overcome it and we can actually make the most out of it we can allow for, you know, that hard to make us stronger. And with COVID, that's what we're seeing now. We're seeing a lot. I mean, I mean, yes. Why, why have the top 1% accumulated something like trillions, trillions more during COVID? I mean, arguably yes, because lots of them are in tech, but at the same time, you also could argue that they found ways to make the most out of it. And I mean, yes, I'm saying that Jeff Bezos, he's very optimistic about the entire COVID thing because obviously Amazon is one of the top companies that are going to obviously <laughs> thrive in a pandemic like COVID. But at the end of the day, really, it comes down to how are you going to view a specific situation? So yeah, so I really, really find that interesting. Um, and I want to keep talk- talking about that, actually, because um, actually what I found here in Australia is, you know, what they're starting to enact are these kinds of laws and like taxes, like these nudge um, systems where they want to nudge students out of arts fields, out of um, law fields, English fields, and perhaps into more, you know, science, tech, STEM, math-based fields, because obviously that is what the future really entails. So I wanted to ask you, like, what what would you then say to, I guess, a student who wants to take something like English, wants to go into something like art, and genuinely enjoys that, however, is being nudged, not just by the anxiety of their parents, but by the anxiety of literally society, who's telling them, look, uh, you have to pay a higher price if you, you take arts now. So how would you perhaps, what advice would you give to a student, I guess, in those shoes? Um, so I think first up, you've, you've got to kind of play, play the field in front of you. So, so regardless of who's nudging you where, um, you've got to have a really wide vision on, on what opportunities are out there. You know, and typically we like to simplify the world and we like to reduce the world to our kind of um, preoccupations and assumptions. And that's true for parents, governments, individuals. And I think as a, as someone looking for opportunities that that are going to engage their strengths, I think you've got to have a really kind of wide eyed view on what's really out there. So, and you often find that it's not as simple as, you know, there's only jobs in tech or there's only, you know, STEM jobs are, you know, the only route to sort of a, a career stability and kind of security, although those are problematic times anyway, but at least, you know, career opportunity. Um, I would then say, think, start to think laterally. So your skills um, can be used in a, in a sort of a number of different ways that aren't necessarily immediately obvious to you in a, a number of different context so you know for example the certainly because you use the example of tech let's focus on that i mean um communication and storytelling um and empathy are, are critical components of that kind of 
that world's success and so you know that's something those are qualities that someone you know to use your example someone with you know an english background has um a very strong and nuanced grasp on so um you, you can look for opportunities within those spaces that engage and draw in your strengths that might not be the most kind of obvious ones um but they're certainly there um and then i and i, and I would say and i i would you know, definitely stress the importance of um focusing on opportunities that are going to engage your energy and your enthusiasm um and so give you that kind of momentum to probably skill up in areas that you are less skilled in at the moment based on your kind of present day experiences so find those opportunities that yes draw on your strengths and have um some sort of symmetry with kind of what you are currently good at um but make sure that those opportunities um also provide you know will be be basically cognizant and aware that those opportunities that you know if you're into them and interested in them you can start to skill up in those areas where you are less confident and you know there are plenty of technical skills um, that you could you could learn on the job um, once you've kind of got that kind of opportunity in place. And then finally, just be very open to the facts, kind of like, you know, theme that's coming through this conversation, that there are lots of assumptions about yourself that you have got wrong, um, that, you, you, that you want to go out and, you know, test basically. And there are lots of things about yourself that you don't know yet that are only going to come about through experience. Um, so again, go and test those um test those assumptions and and be confident with the fact that you can you can develop skills and, and develop your kind of professional capacities whilst you're on the job um and, and you know finally um don't let other people make decisions for you um, and have that confidence to back yourself um because ultimately it's going to be you doing that 40 hour week wherever it is um, and it's important that it's going to be energizing you and and helping you grow in confidence and um, uh, widen your kind of scope of opportunities available to you um, so yeah that would be again um, a few things I would I would say but we would definitely expand on, on, on any of those points in more detail yeah, I mean, a story which immediately comes to my mind with that story is actually, I think it was it was the eighth interview I think we had, and it was with this lady called Jo Tara, and she's currently in Singapore right now. She's, she's originally from the UK, but essentially in uni, she read Spanish and French, I think it was. And after that, so, you know, she goes into uni and studies languages and all this stuff. And then she comes out of uni, and then she's thinking, okay, uh, what can I then use this degree with? What kind of job can I actually have? Yeah. And she was told, oh, you're either going to become like a translator. You're either going to go work at a French ski resort or anything like this. So she's being told by other people what like niche options she has. And, you know, I mean, I'll just, what I'll do is I'll quickly tell you the end of that story now, and then I'll quickly tell you how that happened. But if we look at her now, she's currently running, you know, a IT firm in Singapore and a very, very successful IT firm right now in Singapore. So you can see how, how somebody who went into language languages is now, you know, in the heart of STEM, 
essentially how that happens is she was saying when she was in interviews, even though she didn't have any experience in tech, IT or sales or anything like that, she didn't sell people on what was on her, you know, education on what she specialized in. She sold people on herself on, you know, the cross transferable skills that she had and so on. And she did all kinds of things. And I'll tell you one story that she told me actually at the end of that interview, I've been telling people the story ever since. Cause I, I mean, I love it. Like, she was interviewing for this one. She was being interviewed for this one job and it's her in a lobby. She's got like 15 other people in there and they all know they're interviewing for the exact same job. And in that lobby, they can see that room, which they're, they're going to enter and they're going to get interviewed in. And so nobody's being called in. They're waiting around there for some time. And what she does is she walks up to, to that room, takes off a shoe, puts a shoe in the door and just and just walks back down sits 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 on the chair in the lobby again and after five minutes or so the person in that room which was supposed to interview her sees that shoe picks it up walks out onto the lobby says right everyone why is why is there a shoe in my office what's happening here and then he opens up what's inside that shoe and he sees that it's a note and what that note says is now that i have my foot in the door will you let me in <laughs> And so from there, she, she actually ended up being the one person in, in that entire room who actually got that job. So it's these, it's these kinds of skills, which you can essentially, you don't have to take STEM to learn, which can make you a valuable component of a firm. So yeah, I just thought I'd, you know, maybe tell that quick story. Yeah, that, I mean, that's brilliant. And it, it, that, um, I think that what that also speaks to is the sort of creative thinking and courage um and um an understanding of kind of how to how to kind of make an impression you know in a, in a given situation and that now, those are all again skills that come from not you know non-technical um subject background so yeah that's a brilliant that's a brilliant anecdote yeah <laughs> and, and you know and she even says that now she even says that you know the people that she hires are those that she can remember the most out of a room of 40 people. She, she said, isn't, she doesn't matter what it is, make yourself remembered in some kind of way, whether it's if you submit like a video CV or anything like that. And I think, you know, that's like exactly what we've been talking about this entire time. But yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It, it just, it reminds, there's, um, there's a concept that I, I came across recently called, um, well, not a concept, but maybe like a sort of theory mm-hmm. um, called, uh, exaptation um and it's it's um it's the kind of um there uh, kind of uh, it's um from biology that that uh speaks to basically certain um functions that evolved what for one purpose being used for a totally different purpose you know based on kind of the necessity of 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 time um, and so, like the classic examples, feathers. Feathers weren't originally originally there for for flying; they were there for warmth and perhaps color. They think you know dinosaurs might have had very colorful tails for sort of others for sort of um, courting purposes and all the rest of it. They had no relationship with, with flying. It was only later that they um, started uh, showing their use as as as, as, a, as a kind of key component um, of you know critical component for flying. And so they didn't, you know, the critical thing is they didn't change for a new use. Like the feathers didn't change, they're exactly the same. They changed use. 
and that's because the context changed and like that's the thing is you'd be surprised by what different uses your skills have um in different contexts um so if you can you know you don't need to adapt your skills per se you just need to find different contexts to bring them to in, into a different sort of use so there's you know there's a lot there's a lot that that speaks to that um the theme in that story you just told which is brilliant mm-hmm. so yeah exaptation over adaptation awesome so yeah henry i'm gonna ask the final question now and this is the exact same question that i ask literally everyone which i interview essentially what this question is is i mean it's quite a simple question but it's often a little bit harder to answer and it's if you could leave the youth with just one piece of advice what would that one piece of advice actually be um god i think i think i've probably already given it away earlier on when we were talking about um you know what your priorities should be when thinking about your career um so you know i i i might just have to reiterate what i said earlier which is um avoid speed um at all costs almost all problems come from um and an obsession with speed um, as something that we should have in our lives, but it really isn't. Um, so, and instead choose velocity. So choose um, progression um, towards something that you have yourself chosen as a destination, whatever that might be, whether that be, you know, five to 10 years time, I want to be an entrepreneur or, someone who's doing entrepreneurial work or in five to 10 years time, um, I want to be um, in a position of financial stability and professional freedom. You know, if you have these kind of destinations in mind and then you can work back from there and and make your decisions in a very methodical, um, cool-headed and calculated and centered in when i say centered is in centered on you what your priorities and strengths are as a centered way um you'll go far and if you can you can and you'll watch everyone else um rushing um and falling into things that they're not good at or following kind of the advice of what they should do based on influential others whilst you make that steady um consistent um and forward focused progression towards that destination uh, you'll, you'll go far thanks for listening in this podcast has been brought to you by desera a platform designed to bridge the gap between the youth and professionals you can read more about us at desera.org and you can also check out the section titled insights with experts where you can submit your questions that you might have for future experts and industries that you would like to learn more about And you can also refer in any experts that you might know yourself.